because now they respect you, they respect your opinion on things. And I think that's a really amazing, uh, you know, place to be where someone who's typically on the opposite side of you politically or, you know, socially, spiritually, whatever, they want your opinion because they know they'll give you an honest response. They'll back it up with rational thought and strategic thinking, and they'll do it in a respectful, thoughtful manner. to the Answers from Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalonde. I'm excited to bring you the best and brightest answers from leadership from around the world. Now let's get started. Today I'm excited to introduce you to Bobby Umar. Bobby is an inspirational speaker, executive coach, and founder of DYPB. He's presented four times as a TEDx speaker and has been named the second best business coach to follow on Twitter. And that's kind of why I want to talk to him today is because of his Twitter following, his social media following on Facebook and LinkedIn. Bobby's just a rock star. He's close to half a million followers. And I think we all know how important social media is in today's world. So you know, that's why Bobby's going to be here. And with that introduction, Bobby, is there anything else you want listeners to know about you? Uh, you got that pretty well. I mean, I focus on networking and authentic connection, personal branding, and uh, social media. Those are things that I care about. And yeah, helping helping lost uh, lost leaders or stuck leaders or people feel un- unfulfilled. That's really what I do. And you're helping leaders. Do you have a definition of leadership? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's lots of variables and, and different ways people define leadership. But I would say leadership, I define it as Anything and everything you do to evolve, learn, and grow as a person such that you better yourself and better your teams, better people around you, and better the world. And so anything you do, whether it's a small thing like, you know, get healthier or learn to be better at empathy, that's leadership development. And if you just make a big thing like organize a big event or raise a million dollars, it's even better. But ultimately, leadership starts from within, and everything you do to serve is leadership. Great, great definition there, Bobby. Um, Thanks. And I already said that, you know, you're kind of like the social media guru. I mean, half a million followers, that just blows my mind. Um, And, you know, it's still a fairly new and evolving media. We've seen MySpace come and go. Facebook kind of took over that. We've got Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. Um, How has social media impacted your leadership? Well, I think the biggest thing that social media has done for me is it's amplified the reach of my voice and my content and my message. So that's the first thing it's done. So it's amplified that. The second thing is it's really helped me build a huge thought leadership brand. So if I didn't have the internet, I probably would have had, you know, a strong phone list and a strong email list. But it wouldn't be it would be nothing compared to what I've been able to build as a thought leadership brand with social media. And uh and then I think uh, ultimately, um, I think I've had more impact. You know, I've been able to reach more people, influence more hearts, and have more impact as a person. So for me, everybody wants to build legacy. So for me, social media has been huge for that. So I'm very grateful, uh, particularly in the areas where I've had the most influence. It's because it's brought me opportunities, right? I mean, uh, if I didn't have social media, I probably wouldn't have had a chance to speak uh, in India or, you know, go across the world to do some of the things I've done. So I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, my social media presence is nowhere near yours. But, you know, just the people that you get to interact with now, you don't have to pick up the phone and say, hey, Tom, you know, I want to get together with you. You can hit them up on social media or, you know, you just form these connections that way now rather than phone or email or um, letter writing, it seems. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, everyone has, you, you know, have access to a lot of people. I mean, Twitter is really interesting because uh, you can access anybody, even if, because, you know, at least, on, at least on Facebook and on, say, um, you know, LinkedIn, you don't have Lady Gaga's or Barack Obama's phone number or email. But on Twitter, you can say, hey, what's up? You know, good or bad. And people like that access to them. And sometimes, you know, celebrities and politicians and sports people, they'll respond to what you're saying, which is actually really, really cool. So people love that. And then similarly on LinkedIn and Facebook, I mean, having access to people very quickly to see what they're up to professionally, personally, uh, it's really, really great versus the old days of having to call them up and phone phone calls, things like that. You said, you know, Facebook, you can't really connect. You know, it's harder to connect with somebody than on Twitter. But as we're looking at growing our social media presence, what can we? What, what are some um, tips or tricks to grow your presence? Well, the first thing to understand, uh, you know, what is your objective, right? So what is your objective for social media? Are you trying to grow your business? Are you trying to become a, a well-known parenting advocate? Are you trying to, you know, have some sort of message for the world? What exactly is it? What's that objective? The second thing is then to understand who the target is, right? So who are you targeting with your work? You know, so for me, I particularly target people who feel lost, stuck, or unfulfilled in their personal professional lives that's what i focus on and then once you have that then it's really all about um, a couple things i mean the first one's content right? so what are you creating so creating ideas creating content that inspires people building a network of people you know a broad network of influencers uh, friends who are deep deep connections uh, and then really trying to find ways to continually hone your craft to get better at speaking get better at writing uh, that's that's really my definition of thought leadership. So it's about building a large network, creating awesome ideas and content, and then you know continually working on your uh, your speaking and writing abilities. So if you want to build a following, you have to you know understand the target and build content towards a target. And pretty soon you start to develop a tribe. And so when I started, I started my whole social media strategy, we'll call it, uh, in 2011, the day I did my first of my four TEDx talks, and I was like, you know what? Social media is here to stay. Let me build a, a platform for it. So that's when I launched my my Facebook biz page. I launched my newsletter and I launched uh, my social media. Sorry, my Twitter strategy, and I started building from there. And and it worked. Within probably six months, I had my first. I had about five thousand followers on Twitter at that point. Because remember, everyone starts at zero. Just keep that in mind. Everyone starts at zero. So I was at two hundred at that time. But by the summer, six months later, I had five thousand followers, and I got my first speaking gig. And I remember it was like uh, it was autism. It was an autism organization that said, "You know, we love what you're talking about on Twitter. Can you come and share that message on leadership and volunteer engagement?" At a company, I said, "Sure." And that was my first gig I got off Twitter. So, and it told me that I was in the right direction. Oh, that's that's crazy. 5,000 followers in a couple of months. Yeah. And you said, you know, we should be creating a target audience member that we want to kind of reach. Is there a way you can find those followers on Twitter or Facebook? Is there is there an easy way to do it? Well, I mean, for example, let's say, let's say you're a real estate guy, okay, and a real estate guy or girl, and you want to build up a huge following in real estate. Well, I mean, on Twitter, there's ways to find people who do real estate. Like, you, you just throw in the hashtag real estate and, and hashtag city or the country or the you know state or province, and then you'll see people, and you can start following those people and start engaging them. So that, that's a great way to start building some interaction with the people. You can easily target uh, – again, if you know your target, it's really, it's really impressive because you can also target them with who you follow, how you message, the hashtags you use. Maybe you might want to buy a Facebook ad to target specific people who might be interested in your content that's local. Let's say you're running a local event. You can target, like a Facebook is powerful. You can target people specifically from small city, you know, USA, because you're doing an event that in that area. And all of a sudden they'll see your content and say, hey, there's an event going on in my area. So, like, you know, targeting uh, social media is really powerful. So 
Uh, yeah, there's lots of ways to really find the right people and, uh, and, and target them, follow them. Now, now you mentioned hashtags. Yeah. I, I've seen hashtags kind of go right and go wrong. Um, is there a right way or a wrong way to use hashtags? Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that people, I mean, hashtags are fun. People love to hashtag, you know, stuff like, you know, I swear it was a mean hashtag or, you know, my wife did it hashtag or something like that. But those hashtags are for fun, but they're not actually strategic. Um, if you want, so for example, if you want to build a business in real estate for, let's say I'm following real estate, you should be tweeting content and sharing hashtags in real estate because that's an established one that people are doing. There are very established hashtags that millions of people are following. So for example, when I first started out, uh, you know, I have only 200 followers. And so when I tweet something, uh, only 200 people will see it because only 200 people follow me. But if I hashtag leadership, careers, education, inspiration, whatever it might be, entrepreneur, millions of people are looking at that hashtag. And so now my message is seen by more than the 200 that I have. And that's why hashtags are right, because you basically reach people outside of your actual sub, you know, subscribed opt-in followers, but also you start to you know, leverage people um, that are part of the target that you wish to you know, uh, get followers from. So that's why strategic hashtags are very, very important. And then you mentioned, too, that there's, like, established hashtags. Mm-hmm. How do you go about finding those? I mean, you know, you think real oh, estate. Google them, man. Just Google them. Like this, the, 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 you can Google a list of established hashtags for any industry. Really? I mean, when I did leadership development, I was like, what are the main hashtags? So there's, like, there's leadership, inspiration, motivation. I mean, there's uh, some more popular ones that I use sometimes, like fail, tough serve, uh, sales, Business, small biz. These are, I mean, you know what industry you're in, there's tons. There's always, a, there's always a political hashtag. Like, for example, if there's an election, I mean, U.S. election, Canadian election, there's a politics is a big one, business. There's specific politics ones for, you know, different regions. Like, I know, for example, if I'm talking about Canadian politics, I do CDN, POLI, Canadian Poly. That's where all the Canadian politics hashtags are. So it's very easy to just Google them. There's tons out there. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. That's and the same device. thing applies on Instagram. The same thing applies. Insta- I mean, Instagram and Twitter are probably the two biggest places where hashtags are really relevant. Not so much on Facebook, not so much on LinkedIn, uh, but those two uh, are really, really popular. Great. And we already mentioned a little bit about how you know hashtagging can go wrong on social media. Is there anything else that can go wrong? Well, I mean, you could say something stupid. I mean. You know, a lot of people are afraid of social media and, and because they're afraid of saying or doing something stupid. Now, the truth is we also do dumb things in real life. So the question is, let's say I am at a networking event live and I insult somebody by accident. Maybe I didn't mean to. I've been there before. I made a bad joke or something. What do you do? I mean, mea culpa, apologize profusely. That's what you do. If the same thing happens on, on uh, social media, same thing. I think you should own up to it. I think you should apologize. I think you should be... Uh, you know, remorseful. I think you should be contrite. I think you need to, uh, you may have to say it several times, but um, depending on the gravity of what you did, but I think uh, those kinds of things can really, really go wrong. And, um, you know, obviously there's people out there who, you know, get caught uh, with a a bad tweet or worse, a bad video of them saying or doing something absolutely appalling. And so like, you know, the Uber video, the Uber CEO guy got caught on video, you know, uh, talking terribly to one of his um, Uber drivers. And then, you know, now, now where is he at? He's actually, he resigned, right? So uh, it, it can get to you. And, and sometimes the stakes are, or the, that passenger United Airlines, you know, that was caught on video. That's just like, you know, man. So in those cases, you know, and, and the United Airlines one's a good example because 
the CEO was originally not remorseful, not contrite, was trying to support his staff instead of owning up to the mistake. But really, when you own up to the mistake, quickly, right away, it's way, way more helpful as opposed to, I mean, and I'll give another example if we're, you know, talk politically, but I know recently, like, uh, I think just today, uh, President Trump just said, I didn't make any, there are no tapes, <laughs> right? And, you know, had he just said in the very beginning, sorry, just a, you know, random comment, but it, it dragged for so long. So it looks, it, it doesn't look as good. It's better to be um, contrived, apologize right away for whatever it is, whether you're a corporation, politician, or even a small business owner. So, to me, it can go wrong. I mean, there's lots that can go wrong. And if you let it drag out or you get into like this big debate or a big kind of heated debate with somebody and then your emotions get the best of you, yeah, it's going to it's gonna look bad upon you. So, you know, don't do anything that you wouldn't be uh, ashamed of saying or doing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it seems like common sense, but so many of us still fall into some of those traps. Well, the truth is, I think the reason is because social media is so immediate. And so because it's so immediate, if something horrible happens live, and someone captures on camera, I may do something really terrible. And so that's why, since media is always on 24-7, we have to be mindful of that. I mean, there are people who get these, these types of things. And, uh, you know, I certainly um, try to control my temper and manage my emotions. But, uh, you know, sometimes they get the best of me. But if someone, you know, videotaped me with, let's say I'm having a big, you know, argument with my kids or my parents or something like that, yeah, I probably it wouldn't look bad. It wouldn't look good on me. But... Uh, yeah, so I think that's a big challenge. People, you know, are always on camera 24-7, and they're tweeting and, and posting and blogging about everything 24-7. And so, because even a, even a rant-like blog, people will do it right away while they're angry as opposed to, you know, take take a take a chill pill. Because social media requires that you do it right away and get, be the first one out. I get that. Uh, but take a chill pill, you know, emotionally process it, and write a nice post. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think, the big challenge. And, you know, your, your suggestion there kind of reminds me about the, you know, when you're mad at somebody, if you write up that email, don't send it out. You know, you kind of keep the head yeah. back so you can go, okay, you know, should I send it out or, sh you know, should I wait? And, you know, it sounds like kind of the same type of ideas apply to social media. Yeah, it's a good idea actually to write what you're feeling in the moment and then uh, reflect upon it a day or two later and see how you really feel. I mean, I've had situation where recently actually about a couple months ago someone really said something really really upsetting to me just really angry and it was just a personal message to me like why would you say such, such a thing and i was so upset i couldn't sleep that night and uh i eventually post on facebook say hey guy i'm really upset about this guy i don't know what to say people start inquiring i start talking about it and now it's been two months and now i still think about it briefly i haven't responded since that time but now at this point i don't care as much anymore and i've been able to process it but uh, in the moment, it was really hard, and I probably, if I respond right away, I would, I probably would have been really, really nasty. <laughs> now, you know, that that's something interesting too. I think is how how our social media feeds can impact our emotions. You know, you mentioned you got angry. Well, well, they should. I mean, you know, look, think of social media as a schoolyard. Okay, so I'm at the schoolyard, and so here I am in the corner with my friends. That's Facebook. Here I am with my you know, my business group on the other side. That's LinkedIn. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna stand on a soapbox and just yell. I like this. That's Twitter. So it's a schoolyard. And so on a schoolyard playground, people will say and do things that upset you. And social media is real life. I mean, it's a, it's it's real time, real life. So it should upset you. If someone does something that's upsetting, like, you know, if someone, like, you know, I get really upset when I see, you know, videos online of, you know, people being horrible to children or violent, you know, violence or things like that. And, and it gets to me, you know. And, and uh, so it should upset you because... Um, 
what's happening in the in the world there are a lot of things to upset you there are almost a lot of joyful things in the world and so we can't get caught up in all that kind of stuff but um the, the key really is to um remain empathetic to understand to you know be aware of your heart and then to process those emotions properly if you choose to rant or respond no that makes sense i think sometimes we have a disconnect you know we're like man this isn't real life but but it really is too at the same time Absolutely. Absolutely. It is real life. Um, and I think people have a hard time separating that um, when they see stuff going on. Um, so I think it's important for us to really understand that, that it is real life. And whether it's an email, whether it's a networking event in person or whether it's in you know, social media, these things are happening in real life. We have to maintain, uh, you know, our sense of humanity and our sense of professionalism, depending on where you are. I mean, like you know, LinkedIn, for example, people who rant and rave there, like, you know, it's a professional place. So you're being unprofessional. You know, the, honestly, the best place to rant and rave is Twitter and Facebook because they're more personal and they're more open. But even then, you still you still have to be responsible for everything you say or do. So it's okay to rant. It's okay to be angry. Just be responsible for your actions based on that anger. Okay. Now we've covered some of the negative things that can happen in social yeah. media. What are some of the positive aspects? Well, the positive aspects are tremendous. I mean, having a voice uh, that's amplified, that gets out there um, to impact people. I mean, I've been able to impact people who felt lost or stuck or fulfilled. That's been great. Inspirational stories that get spread, you know, videos with 44 million hits that just like either make you laugh or inspire you, entertain you, inform you, educate you. Uh, that to me is phenomenal. Uh, having small businesses or small causes or individuals being able to leverage social media to get the help, support, resources they need. Uh, every individual has a chance to crowdsource information, just ask for help. The ability to ask for help has been amazing via social media. So when you look at all the and, – and the connections, I've been able to, you know, really meet some really – I have some of my favorite people that are some of my closest friends or people I've never met in life, in real life. I met them on Twitter, and now they're, I've had conversations that are among my favorite people. So that to me is amazing. You can globally reach amazing people uh, in your life. So I love that. That's awesome. Um yeah, yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Um, yeah, you know, it's it is really cool. I mean, I've, you know, one of my closest friends now is a guy named Paul Sohn. and you know, it was all through blogging and social media that I, I connected with him, and you know, now we're really good friends. We're, you know, we've done a couple of meetups in Atlanta, and yeah, you know, it just brings people together. It seems. Yeah, I mean, you're building a huge community, a global community versus just a local one. So that whole global community and, and you know, international connectedness is something that I definitely think can really, uh, you know, bind us together as a group, um, as opposed to, you know, people who are, you know, and, and, and then the challenge is the people who are being divisive, you know. I'd rather try to find ways to bridge understanding and bridge connection. Now, now you said there's some divisive people on social media. Is there, you know, and you like to try to bridge, bridge it, but is, you know, do you defriend people regularly or, you know, unfollow people if they're being divisive? Uh, no. Um, actually, the first time I ever unfriended somebody on Facebook was someone last summer. It was someone I knew for three years, and he started uh, berating me and insulting me and slandering me about everything about my life, my culture, my faith, my family, my 
city, my my coaching, my speaking. It was really it was very hard. And I couldn't understand why it was. And, and I spent three days trying to engage this guy, trying to understand where he was coming from. And you know, but then one of my friends said, "Bobby, you need to let this guy go. He's basically he's basically bullying you. You need to let him go." And so I I gave one more chance to you know offer an explanation or apologize for his behavior. He did it, and then I blocked him in front, of him, and that was the end of it. Um, and uh, you know, when it comes to Twitter, people do it all the time. People say really really horrible things. Um, but I don't, like, unless they're being really abusive, then, uh, you know, but that, that would, they would have to do quite a bit for me to do that. I mean, you know, there was one person who just all of a sudden called me fat and I'm like, I'm like, oh, and, and uh, I'll just, I'll ask, I'll ask a question. I'm sorry. I'll say, excuse me. Are you, are you commenting on my physical appearance? And then she went this whole tiring against me. I was like, okay, you know what? I think I need to, and I tried a couple of times to, you know, give her a chance to explain why she was projecting the truth is everyone projects their own pain everyone hurts people hurt people so if you understand that whether they're the most horrible person in the world uh they all project their pain so i was trying to understand what her pain was after three or four tweets she clearly wasn't doing this she kept herself memoir so okay you know what mute block that's fine but those are rare for the most part because it's not them and, you know if, if you can understand it's not you it's them um it, it, it's not you it's them Hurt people hurt people. People project their pain. And if you understand that from an empathy perspective, then it's much easier to not let those people get to you. Now, sometimes someone does, like that guy on LinkedIn a couple months ago, but for that, maybe someone I knew for years. Um, but for the most part, uh, if you understand that, then the way people engage, shouldn't, it shouldn't get to you as much. And so, and the way that, you know, to bridge that understanding is to, because, you know, divisive creates more divide. It just does. So if I call you a name and you call me a name, there's more divide. So for me, it's like, let me try to understand how you're feeling. Uh, let me use empathy, love, and heart, and kindness, and respect, and try to bridge some understanding. And sometimes, you know, sometimes some, someone completely disagrees and will say, you know what? I really appreciate the way you've engaged me. You really listen to me, and I do appreciate that. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I think it's worth a try once in a while. I can see how, how trying to, you know, understand the person I mean, that can even make a stronger connection between the two of you once you mend things up. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes these people might, you know, come become friends or they seek your counsel they seek your counsel on an issue that you you that you know you both are on opposite sides of, but they want to hear your take because now they respect you, they respect your opinion on things. And I think that's a really amazing uh, you know, place to be where someone who's typically on the opposite side of you politically or, you know, socially, spiritually, whatever, they want your opinion because they know they'll give you an honest response. They'll back it up with rational thought and strategic thinking, and they'll do it in a respectful, thoughtful manner. It's just so cool how, how all of that can happen. Yeah, no, it, it is. And a lot of people don't see that amidst all the, the flurry of craziness out there, but um, there are some really good moments. Yeah. All right, um, we're, we're heading into the final section of the interview now, Bobby. Okay. So okay. Um, I like to ask these questions of all my guests. And sure. The first one, is there a book that's impacted your leadership? <sighs> well, you know, it's a question I get a lot, and I'm going to uh, tell you exactly the truth. I'm not a big reader. And uh, people learn in three ways. They learn by reading, academic, so they read books, they read journals, articles, whatever it might be. They learn by, uh, oh, I, should, I should call that instruction, you know, that includes like watching a webinar and things like that. The second way is experiential, you go and do it. So if I want to learn how to be an entrepreneur, I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to go do marketing, I'm going to go do it. So experiential. And the third way is what I call conversational. So I meet, I meet someone who's an expert in AI or an expert in Facebook or an expert in, you know, empathy, and then I talk to him and I, I learn, him or her and I learn a lot. 
So I didn't learn by experiential, I learned by talking to people. That's how, that's been the greatest gift in terms of how I learn. Uh, in terms of books that inspire me, honestly, um, uh, so I don't read very many uh, self-help development books. I mean, I read some personal stories. So the stories that I've read, or the books I have read over my life, mostly fiction stuff, have, you know, stories of people, and they've taught me a lot. Uh, but I will say, honestly, the greatest one, and I'm, I'm going to say another one I said before, Harry Potter. Uh, I think... Harry Potter, the, the, I read the whole series, I love all the stuff, the themes of love and choosing good versus, you know, choosing to be good versus bad and choosing the light versus the dark and the power of friendship and parenting and loyalty and courage and, oh man, like, there's just so much there, it's just so rich, it's such a rich tapestry of learning and leadership and growth, so for me, I would say the examples that I'm seeing in, that, in the book and the stuff they talk about is relevant today, the, the past, and the future as well. I'm going to be honest here, Bobby. I think that's awesome because <laughs> I think in our pre-chat, we talked a little bit about, you know, you know how I do some of the real leadership blog posts. And, you know, it seems in the leadership sphere, we're all about personal growth books or self-development book or, you know, leadership books, nonfiction. And it's fiction books are bad. So I just love to hear you say Harry Potter. Has oh, but, but, well, the truth is, I mean, if you look at any self-development book, they, they tell stories. But the, the, the greatest teachers have been stories of our lives. People pass down, you know, stories of traditions. People pass down, there have been books been written for years. And stories have a lesson to them that you learn. And so when you read about people and stories in their lives and how they deal with stuff, if you read a diverse range of books, you'll have diverse range of ideas and thinking. If you just read the similar type of you know, books, all hark and romance, all of this type, you know, we have a very narrow mindset. So uh, before we had self-help books, there were stories that were meant to help and guide us. Great. And I want to go back to, to when you were first answering the question. You, you were saying that you've learned more from being interactional, conversational. Yeah. So, you know, can I switch the question now to from one book that's impacted your leadership to is there a person that's really impacted your leadership? Wow. Uh have lots, um, but I mean, there's the idea of mentors, right? And all my life, I've had what I what I call sub mentors, you know, people that were mentoring me for a short period of time, like my dad or my brother, uh, for compasses calling things like that. But uh, I'll share one moment, which was actually it was two people. Uh, one was my my mentor, my official mentor, who I've, I've asked to be my mentor. I meet him like probably once every six months. His name is Ron Tite. He's a speaker like myself. He's also into comedy, but he's a better speaker than I am. He's a better comedian than I am. He's very funny. He's very, very insightful. Um, and I have a business, I had a business coach too at the time. His name was Nick Kuzmich. And I met with him one day after the other. So on one day, Ron told me, Bobby, you need to spend more time. Uh, like you really give, you see, he said you spend way too much time giving back. I, I love you for it, but you're not building up a business. You need to build up a business to support your family first, and then you can start. You know, and he's like, don't don't take this down to zero, but like you know, it's, and, and we did an analysis of how much time I gave back, and that was basically based on how much time did I spend on in my week that directly or indirectly didn't create revenue, and it ended up being 58 percent of my time. And he's like, Bobby, you have to take that way down. And so he was like, he was like 10, 15 percent until such time you have enough money that you can start, you know, helping other people. And so I brought down about 20 percent, which I thought was really interesting. And then the very next day, I met up with my business coach and he's like, you know, Bobby, can I be honest with you? I'm like, yeah, you spend way too much time giving back and you need to you need to really start 
asking people and charging people for what you're doing, your expertise, because you have a gift and you have 20 years experience and you need to start doing that more. And I was like, and those two conversations over that two day period, and this was in, I remember it was November of 2014, I remember this, I was like, wow, you know what? I need, you're right, you're so right. And that really changed a lot of, uh, of how I, I do things. So that that really changed me in terms of, you know, how I'm trying to, uh, you know, spend my time as well as to try to make an impact, but also try to build the, build the business. And what do you wish you would have known about leadership in your early 20s? Oh, man. Um, wow. Uh, well, I wish I had known that I could, I could be a leader early on, like, you know, building a, a brand for myself in high school and in, in, in college, university. Um, I wasn't really thinking about those things. Um, and, and that would have been really nice. And the second thing, really, to know that it's okay to choose a path, uh, uh, to define and choose a path of success that works for you, as opposed to following the path of success defined by other people like parents and society and corporations, things like that. I was just doing what my dad said. I was just doing what corporations said. Society said, go get a degree, go get a job, you know, do do what you're good at and you know it didn't work out so if i've gotten into me leadership is really you know evolving yourself in the best way possible so had i known that i would have been more self-aware i would have chosen a path that made more sense for me and i would have started building that brand uh, way back in the day and do you have any parting words of wisdom as we wrap up our chat parting words of wisdom wow uh <laughs> i would say that uh you know a lot of people feel misaligned a lot of people feel unfulfilled so, or it's lost or stuck. If you've ever felt lost or stuck in your career, or your business, or even a relationship, you know, one of the things I'll say is don't settle, okay? It's okay to feel lost or stuck because everyone feels that way. Don't be like, you know, well, I, love, I have a really bad bad life at home, but I love my job. There's nothing wrong with working on that uh, that uh, life at home. Or I love my wife and kids, but I hate my job. You know what? Work on the job and make sure it's more fulfilling. You want to make sure that every area of your life is fulfilling and you can do that and don't settle for it first, second best. So, you know, you need to fight for your life. And it's funny because just today I'm actually launching this video called Fight for Your Life and this talks about these exact themes on my YouTube channel, which is you gotta fight for, the, you have to fight for the best life you wanna live from your career, from the person you love, for the health and wellness, uh, mental well-being for yourself, for the people you care about. And so, you know, it's okay to feel lost or stuck and fulfilled, but it's not okay to do nothing about it. So ask for help and people like myself and others will step up and help you. Awesome. I know I've gotten a lot out of this conversation, Bobby. Um, I'm going to be working on my social media platform, trying to build up to, you know, to, to your half a million. I'd love to get there. Uh, but if somebody wanted to, if a listener wanted to connect with you online, where would they find you? Uh, well, I'm everywhere, but I think, uh, you know, my website's rayallen.com, and I think that uh, you can probably find me on, I have a Facebook biz page, um, and I also, uh, on Twitter, rayallenbobby is my handle, R-A-E-H-A-N-B-O-B-B-Y. Those are probably the three biggest places. I also uh, do a daily LinkedIn tip, which you'll find, and you'll also find, uh, I run a, an exclusive Facebook group called Power Connection, where I share my expertise on authentic connection in personal professional lives. So lots of places to find me. Uh, whichever works best for you guys, please uh, you know click follow and ask questions and let's engage. Great. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes so that it's easy to find. Um, awesome. And you know all they have to do is one click and they'll get to you. Perfect. So thanks for being on the show, Bobby. My pleasure. Enjoy. Have an amazing weekend. Uh, thanks so much for this. Bobby really delivered on this episode of Answers from Leadership. I know I've benefited from our conversation, and I hope you will too. 
The one thing I learned from Bobby was to intentionally use hashtags to grow my audience. In the couple of days that I've begun doing this, I've already seen growth on my Twitter account. I know you will find something to use as well. If you want to see the show notes for today's episode, you can go to jmlalone.com slash 041. There you'll find quotes from Bobby, shareable tweets, and all the links Bobby mentioned. Until next time, continue to lead well.